light of infinite. I don't even recall how we initially connected, but years ago I connected with Nissim Black. At the time, he was going by D-Black, and we did a slew of songs together. Since that time, I've seen him get bigger and bigger, brighter and brighter, and his light has reached just about everyone I know in different communities. We all have so much light within us. That's why we feel so much light when we encounter someone that's fully tapped into their own. And we can all feel that with Nisim. He's tapped in, he's always pushing through the concealed light to reveal it with everyone around him through his music and his message. And it's that process that draws goodness to everyone who encounters his expression. I just played a show with him in Los Angeles and one line from his song with Levy Robin really resonated with me. He's saying, when confusion takes a hold of me, then I forget who I am, but I don't forget whose I am. We have to always remember that Hashem is the source of everything and there's nothing but Hashem and that we are precious to him. Yitro, who our parasha is named after, was on such a high level that the Zohar says that had he had not acknowledged Hashem, stating, now I know that God is greater than all deities, the Torah would not have been given. How do we attempt to stay tapped into faith on the highest level, to live in truth and connect ourselves to the source of all creation? There's not a blade of grass in this world that does not have a constellation above that strikes it and tells it to grow. But how do we stay in a space of that resonating as an absolute truth at all times? Mitzvot, commandments, are born of action. But preceding all of them is the belief that Hashem is our one true God and the belief that there are no other gods. Rambam counts faith in Hashem as the first two mitzvot, the ones that Hashem spoke directly to Bnei Israel, the children of Israel. He counts belief in Hashem as the first of the 248 positive commandments and denial of Hashem's existence as the first of the 365 negative commandments. When it says, Moshe issued us the Torah, we see the gematria, the numerical value of the word Torah, is 611. And as we know, there are 613 mitzvot. The first two were heard directly from the lips of Hashem, so to speak. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And the second, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a graven image, nor any manner of likeness of anything that is heaven above, that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. Not placing other gods or making graven images while having full faith in Hashem may sound simple to you, and you might already find this truth to be self-evident. But it's stated because of how much the opposing realities present themselves. Putting ourselves in spaces conducive to spirituality and keeping ourselves away from that which contradicts spiritual truth is key to a spiritual life of connection and transcendence. Rav Shimon Pinchas teaches in the Sefer Shabbat HaKodesh, when we think about Hashem, we are actually with Him. And when we think about something else, we simply disconnect from Him. As a kid, I remember learning in Sefer HaChinuch about how our thoughts are interconnected with our actions. And that which we busy ourselves with is that which occupies our mind, which depends on our environment. It could be holy and nurturing, or God forbid the opposite. The paragraph in Sefer HaChinuch reads, from the roots of the commandment is like the matter that we wrote above regarding the sacrifice, that a man is acted upon according to his deeds. Since he is a physical being, his thoughts only cling through action. And from this root, blessed be he, commanded us to do a specific action for the sake of the day. In order that we be impacted in this, to put our hearts to the greatness of the day and its holiness, and to the miracles and the goodness that God, blessed be he, has bestowed upon us at that time. In this parasha, we read how the Jewish people saw what is normally heard and heard what is normally seen. As we know, 
what we see has a stronger impression on us than what we hear, so much so that an eyewitness to an event cannot be a judge in a case about it. The reason being that any counter-argument that would be presented because of his belief in what he had actually saw would not sway him. Whereas if the person only heard, they remain open to counter-arguments and could judge impartially. Sight clarifies a matter and causes it to be imprinted on the soul with greater depth and certainty than one could do with his mind. No intellectual argument can ever convince a person who has seen something else with his mind. This is illustrated when Moshe heard of the sin of the golden calf. He did not break the Luchot, the tablets of the covenant, until he actually saw it for himself. He had already heard of it, but seeing it made it more real and on another level. Only physicality can be seen. Things that are less tangible, such as sound, words, opinions, can only be heard. That is why our physical beings, we feel stronger in regards to seeing physicality, whereas spirituality, which can only be heard or felt through understanding, seems to have a weaker hold, and doubts always challenge spirituality flirting with faithlessness. The power of the revelation at Sinai in seeing what is normally heard is the elevation of nature and spirituality to realm in which the spiritual became as tangible to our physicality as any physical object. Now that we can't see and feel what is spiritually real and only what isn't, it's that much more important to guard our thoughts and actions so that the truth that isn't tangible doesn't get lost in what is. As is known, Yitro decided to join Bnei Israel based on two main events that convinced him the splitting of the sea, and the battle with Amalek. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein explains that when we read Yitro heard, it's to emphasize the point that simply hearing the wonders that Hashem had done for Bnei Israel was enough to inspire him to leave his country and to join them in the wilderness. So for Yitro, the difference in hearing and seeing wasn't great, while to the other nations that heard of the miracles, there was a vast difference, so much so that no one other than Yitro was moved towards connecting to Hashem and Bnei Israel. The other nations perceived the wondrous events as something distant that didn't involve them, even if it may have frightened them. It did not awaken them towards revelation or revolution. To them, the difference between hearing a report and actually witnessing it with their own eyes was far too vast to be moved. The Chatam Sofer has a beautiful explanation as to the deeper realization that moved Yitro. Yitro inferred that Hashem could, of course, have stopped the Egyptians and Amalek by changing their free will or by a bolt of lightning. But Hashem is more disposed to alter the natural world than to interfere with the free will of human beings. If a person is granted carte blanche to do evil deeds, the same person certainly has equal autonomy to do good. And so Yitro knew that if his desire to convert was sincere, then nothing would stand in his way, as he'd be walking with Hashem. Karlbach points out that Yitro saw, on one end, Amalek, a nation that refuses to change, that remains unmoved by the wonders of this world, and he saw that nothing can affect a bone in their body towards compassion. And on the other hand, he saw people led by Moshe that are constantly changing, constantly striving towards unification with the creator of all creations. It's for this reason the Yitro went to the desert and went out of his way to help Moshe to be with Bnei Israel, as we read, Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. You represent the people before God. You bring the disputes before God. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov teaches that when we practice justice, we can attain a higher level of consciousness of Dot, which corresponds to Moshe. Yitro came from an idolatrous background, experiencing a lot of evil. Even with the space he was in, surrounded by evil, he was able to reject it and purify himself and draw close to Hashem. That's why it's specifically Yitro who advises Moshe to set up a judicial system, because he had proven his judicial intelligence by knowing and acting on when to draw close and when to reject. 
In this way, we too must always draw close, the same way that Yitro did when he realized the true source of all things. The first chapter of Shulchan Aruch contains my favorite line from Tehillim, and one that must remain at the root of all moments. Shiviti Hashem le'negdi tamid. I have set God before me at all times. With Him at my right hand, I shall not falter. And as we know, dveikut, attachment or clinging to Hashem, is done by always attaching our thoughts to our source. Rashi in Talmud Sanhedrin explains that the right hand alludes to the Torah scroll that King David would carry suspended from his arm. King David was confident that in the merit of that scroll, he would not falter, because it was at his right hand. And Rab Natan of Breslov expounds on the word linegdi, when something comes against me, as with that shiviti, with that equilibrium, and everything being shaveh, then even when something comes against you, you have the foresight to see that everything is eventually for the good. So it is still something that is either for your growth or for the good in the long run. And so to tap into Shiviti Hashem is to tap into Emet, truth, as we have literally seen Hashem with our own eyes, because our souls, our spiritual reality stem from the revelation at Sinai. And so the part of us that is most connected has seen and heard the Emet, the truth. It's only the part of us that is bound to physicality that resides in the concealment of this current state that hasn't. Isaac of Akko wrote about meditative techniques. One of the most important teachings involves developing Hichtavut, which Rabbi Arya Kaplan describes as stoicism and total indifference to the outside influences, which Rabbi Isaac sees as a prerequisite for meditation. Rabbi Isaac writes, the Shekhinah is revealed to the one who has attained this level of total indifference to all the outside influences. Rambam writes, the power of thought that Hashem granted us is what connects us to Him. Rav Moshe Weinberger teaches an important mindset that we need to feel that he expounds on as the definition of Hishtavut. A person thinks to themselves, I am always equal. I am always in a state of equilibrium. Whether I am being praised or I am being insulted, everything is Shaveh, everything is equal, as seen in the light of the greater awesome presence of Elokut, godliness, and what the godliness is calling upon you to do. The Yetzir Hara, the evil inclination, the Sitra Akra, the other side, opposes the revelation of godliness. It tries to keep it in a state of concealment, not just from the world, but from each of us at all times. The way to counter this is by being in a space of Hishtavut. And this can only be done when we live in the space of Shiviti Hashem, setting Hashem before us at all times. The Baal Shem Tov teaches that the holy consciousness of a righteous person is able to discern and uplift the sparks of holiness in all things. When I was a teen and in yeshiva in Israel, I learned Ramchal with a passion. His Sefer, Derech Eitz Chaim, he teaches how to attempt to rid oneself of the Yitzhar Hara, the evil inclination, writing, Being conscious will strengthen the soul and certainly distance from him the Yitzhar Hara. There's nothing that weakens the soul before the Yitzhar Hara like the lack of consciousness. And if someone's consciousness is broad and stands on his heart, he would never sin at all. Since God wants the man will be the ruler over his Yitzhar Hara, he put in him the ability to be conscious. Rav Weinberger teaches that we need to feel in a state of spiritual symmetry and equilibrium. Why? Because Hashem, Shiviti Hashem, the Negdi Tamid, becomes the battle cry of the Jews in this world. Everything is Elukut. Everything is Shaveh, equal, when perceived from that perspective. The Baal Shem Tov has a great explanation of this verse. I, Anochi, stands between Hashem and between you, explaining that this Anochiness, this Iness, the ego, this self-centeredness is the screen, the barrier that separates us from each other and the divine. 
It is anochi, this egotism that separates us from Hashem, our source. There's a famous story from Talmud Makkot in which Rabbi Elazar, Ben Azariah, Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Akiva go to Jerusalem. And it's said that when they reached Mount Scopus, they tore their garments because when they reached the Temple Mount, they saw a fox emerging from the base of the Holy of Holies. Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Yeshua started weeping while Rabbi Akiva laughed. They asked, why are you laughing? And he replied, why are you weeping? And they reminded him that it's written that a place so holy that it is said of it, the stranger that approaches it shall die. And now foxes traverse it and we shouldn't weep. And so he replied, that is why I laugh because it's written, I shall have for me faithful witnesses, Uriah the priest and Zechariah. Now, what is this connection between Uriah and Zechariah? Uriah was in the time of the first temple and Zechariah was in the time of the second temple. But the Torah makes Zechariah's prophecy dependent upon Uriah's prophecy. With Uriah, it's written, Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps and the temple mount like the high places of a forest. With Zechariah, it's written, Old men and women shall yet sit in the streets of Jerusalem. And so Rabbi Akiva explains, As long as Uriah's prophecy had not yet been fulfilled, I feared that Zechariah's prophecy may not be fulfilled either. But now that Uriah's prophecy has been fulfilled, it is certain that Zechariah's prophecy will be fulfilled. It is in this time of weeping, a time of seeing the bad, of feeling unbalanced, that they felt distraught. But as Rabbi Akiva explains, he laughed when he saw foxes come out of the Holy of Holies because it showed that the prophecy of the destruction had been fulfilled. And so certainly the prophecy of the redemption will be fulfilled just the same. And with this realization, they looked at Rabbi Akiva and said, Akiva, you have consoled us. So even in the darkest moment of our own history, when foxes were running amok in the holiest of holies, Rabbi Akiva only saw the good, meaning that he saw that the redemption is coming. It's just like this in our own lives. We rise up from our own adversities, our own destructions, and redeem ourselves from the experiences to grow. Everything is good and everything is God. Stay connected to grow until there is only light, no longer bound by time or limited by sight. Seeing sound, never bound, only ever fully found, fully redeemed when we are light. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.